Good evening, Doxa Church. Could you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Um, I'm going to be reading um, from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, 18, starting there and going through the first 12 verses of chapter 2. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive a son, conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet, O you, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We have one more scripture reading out of Titus. This is Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Uh, my name is Randy. I'm one of the elders here at Doxa. Um, look, I know it's, it's Christmas Eve. Some of you are here with kids. Kids are antsy. You might be antsy. You might have wrapping to do or a meal to prepare. But I want you to just take one minute, turn around to your neighbor, to a couple of neighbors, and say, 
it's okay. All right, just turn around and say, it's okay. All right, see, whatever pressure you feel with the kids or yourself or whatever is coming after this, everybody around you just told you, hey, it's okay, so you can relax. I promise you I'm not going to belabor this, uh, the word tonight, but I do want us to hear from the Lord before we, uh, on this, uh, this Christmas Eve evening. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, I thank you for your presence here, and I pray that you would meet us here in even a stronger, uh, more real, more powerful way than you already have. Father, just as uh, your son, his birth was very real, in a very real uh, stable place into a very real manger from a very real scared young couple, um, Lord, you are very real here in this place with us. And we pray that you would make that um, true to us. Open our hearts and our minds to see and hear what you have for us on this Christmas Eve, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. All right, here's my question. Have you ever received a gift that changed your life? I don't mean like, a, you know, you got a toy stethoscope and this moment, the moment you grabbed it, and put it around your neck, you knew, I'm going to be a doctor. Though, if that's your story, that's really cool. I just mean like, like as a kid, you got a toy, you got a presence, you got something that changed, like reoriented your life. Uh, there are two that stand out for me. One was, it was 1980-something, we won't go into that, 1980-something, and I got home from school the last day of school for, before summer break. And on the porch was this shiny red BMX bike. Anybody remember BMX bikes? Man, that, that thing, that shiny red BMX bike, that, all of a sudden, I had wheels. I grew up in the country. We had few neighbors around. Like, uh, like I all of a sudden had wheels and transportation. I could get around that BMX bike that day for that third grader, going to be a fourth grader, changed his life. It changed my life. It reoriented my life. Now, the other one was also a 1980-something, at Christmas. And uh, uh, I had wanted the original NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Anybody remember those things? Oh, yes. Then I had wanted the original NES for years. And we didn't have a lot of money, and so that was a really big ask for our family. And so I had wanted, I'd like been that kid who like... When a friend got one, like I wasn't playing with them at their house. I was just on the NES. Like I, I'd, I'd wanted that thing. And one Christmas morning, I woke up and I remember. I actually, I don't even remember seeing uh, the, the, the NES. All I do, all I remember is hours and hours of Mario and Duck Hunt. Anybody else had a Christmas like that? hours and hours of Mario and Duck Hunt. That, that Christmas, like, you, you make it, I, I'm telling you guys, like, you're just like, oh, that's a nice story. Like, let me tell you, that changed my life. Like, it changed how I spent my time. It changed a lot of stuff about my life at that age. Now, those gifts were so powerful that they changed my world. They reoriented my young life around him, and that's around them. And that's how Paul describes Jesus coming in the flesh in that last passage that Christian just read for us, which is what Christmas is all about. He said this, he says, for the grace of God has appeared. 
That's how he starts off. For the grace of God has appeared. Now that word grace, in the original Greek, it means it's, it's charis. Just stick with me for a second. And that core, that word means favor or a gift. For the gift of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now here's what I know about you. I don't know what you're facing today or what your Christmas looks like, whether it's a joyful Christmas or a blue Christmas, whether you're up or down, but I know whatever your thoughts and feelings and emotions are about Christmas are right now, whether you're high on the Christmas spirit or you're struggling with depression and sadness, which some of us here, maybe a lot of us here in this place are, this is where the profound message of God taking on human flesh meets you right now, the charis or the gift of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's what the angel meant whenever he appeared to Joseph, and he said this in the passage that, that Kate read for us. He said, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for, why will you call his name Jesus? For, why is this a big deal? For, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us for the grace, the gift of God has appeared. It's why the angels uh, delivered a message to the shepherds and could hardly contain themselves afterward that they had to break out into song. And the angels said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. Good news of great joy, which shall be to all people for to you. Why is it good news of great joy? For to you is born this day for you to you the gift or the grace of God has appeared this day in the city of David a savior who is God Christ the Lord himself the gift of God has appeared that's the message that changed everything the gift of God has appeared now everything in creation is a gift of God Air, water, anybody this weekend, heat is a gift of God. Beaches, mountains, friendships, romance, all these things are gifts of God. They all come from him. But what he is saying here is that Jesus Christ becoming man, the Christmas event, that's described, or rather, he is described. Not the event of his birth, but he himself, Jesus himself. It's not the fact that a virgin bore a son. It's not the fact that angels appeared to announce his coming. It's the fact of who they were announcing the one that was in that manger, he is described as the gift of God, the ultimate gift that God can give to us. And we're going to look real quick, real quick at four of the many, many, many effects of that gift. Salvation, wonder, change, and hope. Salvation or ever-present help. Wonder, change, and hope. Now, if you've been around church for a while, then the term salvation can sound a little bit stale, right? Like those old cookies your neighbor brought to you a couple days ago. But it shouldn't. 
salvation shouldn't sound stale, but it it does. It's sort of like a kid with a toy to us who've been around church for a while, who they've outgrown or they've used up. You know that toy that your your child can't wait to get tomorrow and then 10 minutes later, they're gonna forget they ever got it. They've been asking for nothing but that for all Christmas season. They're gonna open it and then life is gonna move on tomorrow. Salvation is kind of like that for us, the word salvation. But it's the message of Christmas of Christ coming in human flesh. And that message is as fresh as whatever need you brought into this place tonight. That's how fresh the message of salvation is. Whatever need you brought into this place tonight, salvation, the message of salvation, is as fresh as that need is. You see, salvation. Sometimes we say, hey, I got saved back in 19-something. I got saved a couple years ago. Oh, that person got saved. Salvation is not conversion. It's not when you become a Christian. Salvation describes, listen to the word salvation. Salvation describes the need of someone in a state of desperation. That's what salvation is. It's what you need when you're in a state of desperation. And that describes all of humanity, every single person in this room, every single person that is driving down the road right now, every single person at home, they are in great desperate need. There isn't a, room, a person in this room tonight in all of your Christmas finery who isn't in a state of deep need. Now, you might not feel it at the moment. You might fight off that feeling of desperation, that feeling of need with having a sense of control. You might be that person at the Christmas dinner, at the family Christmas gathering tonight or tomorrow. You want to have everything under control. And you fight hard to keep things under control because if you do, you don't have to be aware of your desperate need that you are carrying around with you all the time. Or you might self-medicate. It might be drugs or alcohol or whatever gives you a high or dulls the pain that you constantly are feeling. You might just constantly distract yourself with something, activity, entertainment, whatever you can. It might be work. It might be your relationships. You do anything to fight the feeling of desperation and need, but we all have a deep sense of that need. Now, it might be something that's very obvious. It might be your health. You might come in here tonight with a genuine, deep health need. You might be having a, struggling in a disease or pain. It might be finances, Christmas, especially we feel the, the depth, and the, the pain of finances when what I need or what I want doesn't match what I have coming in. Or it might be a deep and abiding sense of loneliness. You here in this room, surrounded by people, you feel so alone. You're even embarrassed to admit it surrounded by family, surrounded by friends, at work, you feel deeply alone, or it might be addiction. Something, a cycle that you find yourself caught in that you can never get out of. Or it might be something that's less obvious to other people around you. Like you, you, fit, you fear that you have no sense of purpose or meaning in your life. You deal with deep anxiety or depression or just constant disappointment. Like people are disappointing you and you're disappointing people around you and you're just caught in a cycle of disappointment over and over again. Or it might be a gnawing sense of emptiness that's inside you. You know what? We all fight that sense of desperate need that we have. We fight it hard 
with anything that we can get our hands on, grabbing anything around us, anything that we can grasp to try to meet that sense of disparate need and emptiness that we all feel. But this is the gift of God, the grace, the charis of God that has appeared. What did he say? This is the gift or the grace of God that has appeared, bringing salvation, salvation. You know what that means? That means ever-present help to all people. Ever-present help. And not just help like, I'm going to help you get back on your feet, or I'm going to help you get over the, the, the line so you can get better. I'm going I'm to help you figure things out. But assurance of salvation, of salvation, of full salvation from whatever your great need is right now. Whatever that right now need is. And why? Because at its core, whatever your great need are, are right now, the core of that need is truly, this isn't just a church answer, a pastor answer, truly the greatest need that you have, the answer to that sense of loneliness or lack of sense of purpose, that, that, help, that need that you have for health and wholeness, that need that you feel that you brought in here tonight, that answer that you really need is a need for God. But you say, hey, look, I really am sick. My bank account literally has $8.68 in it. That is a literal real problem I have. I've been abused. I believe in God, but I still feel life is empty and meaningless. Well, let's just do this thought experiment together. All right, let's just do this thought experiment. If you knew, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you knew, I mean, if you really, really knew that God was truly real, if you really knew that he was present with you right now, not a concept of him being present, but God himself, Emmanuel, was present with you right now in your pain, in your hurt, in your loneliness, in your confusion. And if you really knew, if you believed he was real and he was with you, and if you really, really knew that he loved you like he loved himself, if he was really real and he was really with you and you really knew he really loves me, not with just some kind of like nice kind of love, like I love my neighbor, but like a real I love you like I love myself. And if you knew that he came for you in your mess, if you knew he came for you, that's the gift of the grace of God. The gift of God has appeared. That means, you know what that means? It means he came and he came for you in your mess. Not saying, hey, I'm coming for the ones who are, look like they have it together. I'm coming for the ones that have some money in their pocket. I'm looking for those who are emotionally healthy, who haven't been marred and abused, who don't feel like they're always being disappointed or dis disappointing others. I'm, I'm coming for those who aren't de depressed and distracted. He says, I came for you in your mess. If that was really true, if he was really real and he was really with you, and if he came for you in your mess, and if he used, if this was really real, if he used his great power to redeem you from your deepest, darkest secret, what if that God was real and he came? And what if he came to redeem you from your deepest, darkest secret?
your deepest, darkest sin, your abuse, the things that you've done that you don't want anybody else to know, the thoughts that you had that you don't want anybody else to know that you think. What if he, what if he really came and he used all his power to redeem you from your sin and from your abuse? What if he has come as a man to pay the debts that you owe that you can never pay, at least not, and still live? And what if, what if, what if he considered you so precious What if that God considered you so precious that he called you his own possession? Not marred, not unpleasant, not broken, not taped or crazy glued back together like some ornaments on our tree. I mean, he said, you are my prized possession. Not marred or unpleasant, but precious. And what if you knew that he saved you? Not to be something that would to be to be forgotten, but that he had for you good works, a meaningful contribution to make for his kingdom. For you, he had something for you to accomplish. And what if you knew that you felt his presence right now? What if you sensed his great power and his irrepressible love for you as real as if you know if it's hot or cold. But what if you also knew that that was only a foretaste of the wonder of his eternal presence and glory? And what if you knew that he was coming back to bring you into that glory at the end of this world and that every tear, every pain, Every disease, every abiding sin and addiction and habit will be wiped away at that time. And what if you knew that you're to receive a glorified body and experience life forever in the presence of God's great glory and his saints and his angels to rule and reign with him? If you knew that, here's what I'm asking you. If you knew that if that was a living truth to you, would that be a help to you right now? You know what? The truth that that is true. All of that is true. And Christ being born as a human is the down payment to say, my child, this is really real. And you know what is true about that? That is a kind of thing that can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that can and does change the world. Why? It's the kind of thing that can change you and your world. And that's what breeds wonder. Jesus Christ has appeared. The grace, the gift of God has appeared. The gift, the free gift of God, bringing salvation for all people, for you, for all people. For the good ones, yes. For the bad ones, yes. For the broken ones, yes. For all people who need it. The gift of God appeared in that manger, and that's why it set the angels singing, and that's why and how it can set your heart singing as well. The person of Jesus, 
the historical fact of his birth and life and death and resurrection is your assurance that the gift of God has a beard bringing salvation for all people, for all people, even me and even you, even us. That's what can create wonder, continual wonder in your heart. And then finally, look at what power that gift has. I don't have time to go into it. But Paul tells us that this gift not only comes to be our ever-present help, Jesus Christ, but that he can reorient and change your life. And isn't that part of what the Christmas blues that many of us deal with? Things aren't the way that we know they should be. I'm not the way I wish I could be. But he said this in that passage, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. He's saying that the gift or the grace of God is so amazing that if you know it and taste it and realize it, it is true, it can lead you to say goodbye to all the kind of things that seemed important and dear before and allows you and frees you to finally change. The grace of God has come and it has brought ever-present help and wonder and a promise of change and hope. Because the gift of God, because Jesus appeared in Bethlehem, lived the life of a man, died a substitutionary death, and rose from the dead, then all who trust in him for salvation will finally and fully be saved. Death, disappointment, depression, pain, disease, abuse, it will all be swallowed up by life. It will all be destroyed by the gift of God, Jesus Christ. So when we sing these Christmas songs, when a Christian sings them, You know what it is? It's a song of defiant joy. I feel disappointed. I am in the middle of hurt. I see a broken world around me. My family doesn't look like I wish it looked. My friends don't look like I wish it looked. My bank account, my career, none of these things look like I wish it looked. I don't look like I wish it looked. Oh, but death is being swallowed up by life. Noel is a song of defiant joy. I have joy in the middle of the pain because the gift of God has appeared. Jesus Christ bringing salvation for all. But here's the thing about a gift. It can't be earned. It can only be received. Some of you here tonight, you're not a Christian. Maybe you came in here thinking that you were. But you realize as I was preaching, man, I don't have that. You can have it. Some of you came in here tonight, you are a Christian, but, but you have stopped trying to receive the gift if you tried to build your own life and hold yourself together. I'm about to open the front for our Christmas communion. And the beautiful piece about communion is you can't earn it. We accept no donations for it. 
And we'll take your donations. They're in the back. But I'm saying we accept no, no donations for the body and blood of Christ. It is only freely given. If you're a believer in Christ, how about as you receive this communion and as we sing this final Christmas hymn, you receive it from Christ afresh. You receive him afresh. And we sing this song of joy together in defiance. And if you're here tonight and you say, hey, I don't know that I'm there yet, Randy. Christmas Eve is a wonderful time. Well, any day is a wonderful time. But tonight is the time. Come to Christ. Receive him. I'll be up at the front. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you can grab somebody beside you if you don't want to do that and say, hey, I want to know more about what it means to become a Christian. We'd love to help you tonight. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, we'll have some people around that'll be willing to pray with you. I'm going to pray for us, and there are going to be two stations, one on each side. As you'll come forward from the outside, you'll receive the wafer and the cup, uh, and you'll go back to your seat, and then I'll come back and lead us into communion together. And then uh, whenever you're done, you can just hold on to the cup, and you can dump it in the bins over on the black table afterwards. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that the gift and the grace of God has appeared. Father, forgive us for overlooking him. Forgive us for trying to find and fight our own way, trying to numb our pain and our fear. Oh, but Lord, more than that, turn our hearts to receive Christ afresh tonight, to receive the gift, the grace of God that is Jesus. Let us breathe in his presence and breathe out assurance on this Christmas Eve night. In the name of Christ we pray.